Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radical Audacity in Love and Life. Have you ever wondered what kinds of things you would think about when you were in your last few months of life? Have you ever wondered what you would regret, what you would celebrate? Do you think if you were told today that you had two months left to live, would you feel like you've lived a life that you wanted? Would you feel like you lived a life of purpose and that if it was the end of your life, you could go peacefully knowing that you did what you were meant to do on this earth? My guess is a lot of us are listening to that question going, whoa, I don't know if I can say that I would be okay with it. I don't know if I could say I wouldn't have regrets. My guest this week is Dr. Kathy Zhang. She is a palliative medicine physician. She's an author and a transformation life coach. She really lives her life on a mission to change the world by inspiring and empowering others to live their fullest potential and squeeze the most out of our one beautiful, precious life. She works in the palliative care and hospice world. So she works with people every single day that are there at the end of their life in critical care. And she takes care of them both on a physical level and on a very personal level, making sure they are comfortable psychologically, physically, emotionally, and helping them along at their end of life. And her experiences are so beautiful and so poignant. We can learn so much from what she has to share with us today. So I hope that you listening today are able to take some valuable life lessons and practical nuggets of wisdom learned from Kathy during her time of caring for terminally ill patients. I hope you come away from today with a gift of perspective on your own life and the ability to feel empowered to transform your life, to find your purpose, so that when it comes time to say, it's the end of my life and I am happy with how I lived, you're able to do that. Enjoy the episode today, my friends. Welcome to the Radical Audacity Podcast. I'm Tiffany Kane, your host. On this podcast, you are going to meet people that walk their own path, live life on their own terms, let go of other people's rules and expectations and the shoulds in life, and instead live life in their own truth, integrity, and authenticity. This podcast will give you the inspiration you need to live your own radically audacious life. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Radical Audacity. As I said in the introduction, we have with us a really special guest, Dr. Kathy Zhang. She is amazing. She is a palliative care physician, and we're going to dig into what that means and how she has used the lessons from being a palliative care physician to live a purpose-filled life and how that can help all of us. So I'm very excited to have you here today, Kathy. Thank you for being on the show. 
Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited. Me too. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I, you know, and uh, the topic of palliative care is uh, near and dear to my heart. And Mm. I think there are so many lessons that we can take from it. And I'm really excited to dig into this with you today. Um, It's near and dear to my heart. My very, very best friend passed away from breast cancer um, about seven, almost eight years ago now. She was 39 years old. And I do know that her palliative care and then her hospice care after that, you know, was just so um, important and helped her so much. So first of all, I want to say thank you for this important work you do. Um, before we dig into the real meat of everything, I'd love to hear your story a little bit. Um, how did you get into palliative care as a physician? And maybe you can also clarify for our listeners the difference between palliative care and hospice. Absolutely. And, you know, I wanted to say thank you for sharing that about your friend. I, you know, I can't imagine what that must have been like. So, you know, my heart goes out to you. you. Um, So, yeah, great question. So palliative care, I would say, is the umbrella um, that hospice lies under. Mm -hmm. So palliative care is a field of medicine, but it's also a philosophy of care where we care for people who have serious and or terminal illnesses. And we basically alleviate suffering. We treat their symptoms. We really try to care for the whole person. Mm. So not just physical, but emotional, spiritual, psychosocial, all of that, because we believe that it's not just one thing that affects how people, you know, get their care or how they react to an illness and that sort of thing. And then hospice really is specifically for people who would, let's say, qualify for hospice services, meaning they are expected to have a life expectancy of less than six months. So really under the tail end Mm -hmm. of um, their illness trajectory. And so, yeah, I, I love palliative care. I initially worked as an internal medicine physician in the hospital. So what we call a hospitalist. And I did that for four years and I loved it. But at a certain point, I felt like it was just something was missing, Mm -hmm. you know? And I felt as though, you know, I I think this rings true with your audience and your um, podcast. Like I felt like I was doing things that I thought I should be doing. And then I wanted to do something that really felt meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of scary for me because I was already, you know, an attending physician. I was being paid. I had a good job. I was comfortable, Mm -hmm. but then I had to decide to go back, go back into fellowship and say, you know what, I'm going to pursue this because it feels like the right path for me. Mm And I I love it so much. Um, I was always one of those people that never thought of medicine quite as a calling. I always saw some people like that. And I was like, I don't know. It's cool. I'm, I'm helping a lot of people. I think it's really wonderful. But now in palliative care and also, you know, adding a, in a coaching business and that sort of thing, helping people to see the lessons that I've learned from being a physician in this field and helping people that way has just been so amazing. It, it really does finally feel like a calling to me. Mm. 
Okay, there's so many things I want to dig into a little bit more there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're speaking my language when you were saying that you were on this path, you were, you know, doing what you should do, pretty secure, pretty stable, and you decided to say, "Mm, this doesn't feel quite right. Let me change it up a little bit. What what was that like for you to then you said you had to go back into fellowship. So what did mm-hmm. that mean for you? What mm-hmm. what were those steps? Yeah, and you know on the outset or where I am now looking back it's like okay it wasn't a huge deal, right? I'm still in medicine. I'm still a physician. Um and so I think but at the time it felt like a really big thing for mm-hmm. me because it was scary. And Mm -hmm. I think anything in our lives that feels scary, whether it's a small shift or a really big one can be really paralyzing. And so I think I had, right. I had thought about it for maybe about two years because I was working for four and I thought about it for two years and I was kind of getting my feet wet, getting my feet wet. And then when I finally decided to do it, it was kind of at that point of where the pain of staying in my job was too much where I felt like I literally would describe it as um, in some, on some days and many days I described it as soul sucking Mm -hmm. and not because of the work that I was doing, but it was just the conditions of my, my job. It was really physical, not physical, but it was demanding in ways of my time. I used to work a ton of nights, a ton of weekends and you know that's just not the life that i envisioned for myself mm-hmm. right and so when i actually finally submitted my application for an entire month i didn't i really slept maybe 3 or 4 hours wow. because i just couldn't fall asleep i made the connection later on once i finally got my first interview that like that's what i was stressing out about so that was you know it was a big deal to me um but on the other side of it, it was like, I had to do that, right? I had to um, make that shift, however small or big it was, to get to the point where I am now, where I'm just like, I love this. Uh, it speaks to me in so many ways. It's like the reason why I went into medicine to help people at their most vulnerable. And it just, it's just opened up so many doors in my life. It's so beautiful to hear you say that. And it's also, I think, really refreshing to hear you say how scary it was and how hard it was for you to sleep and how worried you were. I think a lot of times when people are thinking of making a big shift in their life and they get those scared feelings, they think, oh, this must be a sign that I'm doing the wrong thing. When in reality, it is a sign that you're probably doing the right thing and it's kind of scary. I mean, it's very comfortable to stay where we're at, even if it's kind of, it's soul sucking, even if you feel like, oh my God, I've got it. It's time to go to work again. And this is soul sucking. It's so much more comfortable to stay in that known. And it's scary to get out of that and go into something else. It definitely mm-hmm. is. And so many times that's the sign when you're scared. That, yes. Okay, oh my God. We're on the right track. Yeah. And you know what it is? It's the more self-aware we are of what that fear really means, Mm -hmm. right? Because fear is, it's evolutionary. Fear keeps us safe and fear is really helpful when we're walking down a dark alley or, you know, there's there's actual physical threats to our life. But when it comes to things that, 
you know, our mind perceives as scary, but maybe isn't a threat to our life, um, that actually can be a sign. Like you said, I've learned through my life that the scarier something feels, as long as it's not detrimental to my health, my well-being, and that sort of thing. If I think that it's really scary, it probably means that it has a huge potential to change my life. You know, it was something that, yeah, like I, like I can count on one hand, the, the really, really scary things in my life and every single thing that I've done, whether it was taking a solo trip after a huge, awful breakup by myself to Scotland, um, pursuing palliative care, and then like starting, you know, my own podcast, starting a coaching business, all of these things were so incredibly frightening Mm -hmm. and paralyzing. Mm -hmm. But once I was able to be like, you know what, there's a deeper reason why I want to do this. And that reason, that means that my courage has got to be stronger than my fear. I love that. My courage has to be stronger than my fear. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's your quote. I do an episode <laughs> quote for everybody, for my guests, and that is your quote. That is so good. Yes. That is so good. And I think it's it's just so important for everybody listening, and I'm including myself in this, is to remember that you do have that courage. You do have it inside you. And we all feel fear. We mm. all feel it. I'm reading Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart right now. And she oh talks God, about it so beautifully. <laughs> it's right here. I'm almost oh, done. I love it. I love it. It's such a Like 10 more pages. Book. Oh my God. I sit there and I read it and I underline and then I pause and I mull it over. And whoever's near me, I'm like, I got to talk to you about what I just read. <laughs> it's great. Okay. Yeah. So... um I could talk about books all day, but let's get back to you. <laughs> we'll cover that at the end. Yeah, we'll cover that at the end. That's excellent. Um, so back to you then. You created a po- podcast called the Purpose Filter Podcast, mm-hmm. all about finding your purpose. I'm guessing that the inspiration from this were, was the lessons you learned from the people that you cared for during your palliative care as in your palliative care career. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering what are some of the the more poignant lessons that you feel like you've learned from the people that you care for? It's mm, such a great question because there's so many. Um I think one that comes to the top of my mind is really just having the the courage to be yourself. I think is a huge one because I see so much regret at the end of life, whether that's people who said like, you know, I wish I would have had the audacity yeah, you know, <laughs> to be who I really wanted to be rather than what I thought was I was supposed to be doing. Or, you know, they wish that they had spent more time with their family and loved ones and nurtured some relationships that either went south or that went unnurtured. And then when they finally get to a point where like where they're like, oh my gosh, this is this is real for me. This is I'm coming to the end. And there's so much like connection that people really want and they don't 
always have because of whatever circumstances they had in their life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like here, I'll tell you a story. I had one patient during COVID. He was very young. He was probably in his early thirties. He was very, very sick. Um, and this was maybe like probably still sort of early on. And um, his brother, I was talking to him and he was like, I need him to get better. I need him to wake up. I need him to, you know, just because he was really, really very sick. Um, and we were very worried about him. And I was like, well, tell me more. Like, why, what's the urgency? What's the need aside from the fact that you don't want to lose your brother? And he was like, I need him to know that we actually are real blood brothers. And I was like, well, you just introduced yourself as his brother. He's like, no, he thinks that I'm like his cousin because of some like family issues that happened when Mm. he was younger with his parents, et cetera. And we kept it from him because we thought it would protect him or something like that. And so he's like, and he started crying. And when grown men cry, it's always like, oh my God. Um, And he's like, I need him to, I can't let him die without letting him know that, you know, we're actually brothers, siblings. Um, And then I was just like, how, you know, of course I totally understand it, but you know, we, we spend so much of our lives just being like, I'll get to it. Mm -hmm. Right. One day Mm -hmm. at some point I will blank and you can put anything in that blank. At some point I'll tell my cousin who's actually my brother that we're, we're really siblings. At some point I'm going to quit my job and start that career that I've always dreamed of, but have been too scared to try. At some point I'm going to, I don't know, go on the trip that I've always wanted to, but I've been saving it for retirement and et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's the thing that really prompted me to start the podcast, start all of this stuff is to be like, we never know, right? We really don't. We expect that we're going to live forever, (laughs) that we're never going to (laughs) die. And, you know, we, we live in a very death avoiding culture where some people can't even say the word, mm-hmm. you know, some people will just they'll call it the D word. And it's so important to just be like, you know, nothing is promised. And so it's so incredibly, you know, important to just be like, I'm going to live in this moment. I'm going to yes. take the time. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be purposeful. I'm going to be the person that I can be and want to be and take my life in the direction where I really want it to go and be as, you know, your tagline is to be radically, authentically, audaciously, audaciously (laughs) yourself, right? Yes. That is so beautiful. The story you told of the brother. I think so many of us can identify with that because in some way, shape or form, I'm guessing everybody listening has that person in their life that they have not told the thing to, whether it's, I love you, whether it's, I forgive you, whether it's, I want to get to know you better or whatever that thing is that you have not told that person, we all have that. And sometimes we don't even realize what it is we want to say to them until something major happens because we're not allowing ourselves to recognize that or to um, give voice to that. 
-hmm. What have you found to be the most helpful for people to say that thing to that person? Like, what is it that will allow us to A, recognize we want to say it, and B, have the courage to say it? Is there something Mm -hmm. you found that allows that to happen? So that's really great. Um, I would say if when you think about a person or a situation that either there was some wrongdoing on someone's part or maybe there was no wrongdoing and circumstances just happened, if that brings up some sort of feeling in your chest, if it stirs something up and you're just like, you either say, nope, I'm going to squash it down mm-hmm. or I'm not going to think about it or, you know, that sort of thing, or there's a a yearning, a pining for, I wish my relationship with this person was better, different, whatever. And that's a signal to you to be like, okay, well, maybe there's something that's on my mind. Maybe there's something there. And it's going to be really painful to dig in deep, Mm -hmm. right? The work is difficult. Otherwise, it's, we would all do it. (laughs) <laughs> Otherwise we wouldn't, yes. right? Otherwise we wouldn't yes. avoid it. Yes. Right. And so, and then I think you have to really consider your reason why. I think with when people have a serious illness or when something really important happens in their life, all the other things that we think are really important just fade away, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're just like, oh, dinner, the kids, our job, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that really actually annoy us are just like, okay, that doesn't actually matter. Mm -hmm. What really matters is our health, our relationships with other people and how we, and our values, Mm -hmm. right. And how we choose to live our lives. And so what I want to impress upon people is that like, you really, we really honestly don't know. And if you can repair those relationships earlier on. I mean, think of what like beautiful connections you could have with these people if for some reason you were able to repair the the pain, if you were able to come back together. Or even if you don't have this beautiful, fruitful relationship, maybe you can mend some of that pain there. And that can go a long way. They can. I can. I like what you said were the most important things. You talked about health, relationships, and values. Nowhere in there is there the job promotion, that <laughs> fancy car, that big house, the um, you know the that new purse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying, and I know you're not saying that wanting those things or working for those things is bad. Mm-hmm. We all mm-hmm. like to have a nice place to live to, I mean, nothing brings me as much joy as a great new pair of shoes. I mean, I'm going to put it out there. It does bring great joy, but is that my main value in life? Is that my main thing I'm going to work towards? And is that going to, you know, is my striving for that thing going Mm -hmm. to hinder my health, my relationships and my values? Mm-hmm. Um, I can say in the past that I have been in situations where I have hindered my health and my relationships and my values by striving for the shoulds in life and realizing that all that does is 
<laughs> make me sicker, make me more miserable. And and it's it's just not a healthy way to live. So I I really love that you said that. So your podcast is the Purpose Filter podcast, which I think is fascinating, the word filter with purpose. Yes. Because it's not necessarily purpose-filled, it's purpose-filter. So I would love to talk to you a little bit about now that we've looked at living life in a purposeful way, maintaining our health, our relationships, and our values, what is the difference between purpose-filled and purpose-filtered? Mm, that's good. So I would say, I mean, I think we all want to live a life of purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with the pandemic has really, I think, made people aware of what is truly actually important to them in life. And at the same time, I think it's important to say there's a way of looking at life that can help us perhaps be more intentional and find more purpose in our life. And that's what the filter was for me is to look at life in a way that helps you become more intentional, that helps you get to a point where you're like, yes, this is this is what I want to do. This is where my life should be going. This is, this is everything that I'm hoping for mm-hmm. with my existence with this blessing of just being alive. Right. Yeah. And that's really what I wanted to, to focus on was just this, this perspective of saying it, we are so lucky to just be standing here, to just mm-hmm. have this conversation, to have our feet above ground, mm-hmm. because there are unfortunately so many people who do not have that luxury, mm-hmm. you know, and I spent a lot of time with people who are dying, let's be honest. And it gives a totally different way of thinking about how I do things and why I do them. Kind of going back to what you were saying before, it's not that we shouldn't have nice things. It's not that we shouldn't live in a good house and feel comfortable and be safe and all that stuff. But when when you get to that point in life, when you're on your deathbed and that sort of thing, what are you really going to remember? Mm-hmm. What are you really going to cherish? If I, I, you know, I ask a lot of my patients, like, what are some of the most beautiful, poignant moments in your life, or why, do, you know, now that you're at this point, what, what do you think was your purpose in life? And they never say it was to make a million dollars mm-hmm. or to have this great collection of whatever it is, or it's never material right? It's always about usually serving others. It's like, you know, I helped make my community a safer place, or I raised really wonderful, caring, loving children, or I was able to just help a random stranger out and I maybe saved their life or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Those are the moments that stand out. And I think if we can just step back and be like, what is really important in my life, then I think we can all just feel a little bit more gratitude for the things that we actually do have rather than continuing being like, I want more, I want more, I need more, I need more. Yes. Yes. Gratitude. Oh, that's such a big word. I was wondering if we could dig in a little bit more with this intentional 
intentionalism, I'm going to call it, (laughs) this intentional way of living life. I'd love to dig in. Do you happen to have a story to help people? I I often find we we hear these things, you know, living intentionally, living purpose-filled life, purpose-filtered life, living (laughs) with gratitude. But sometimes it's hard for us to actually conceptualize what that is until we hear a story. And then we can Mm -hmm. like we can identify with the story and go, oh, I can see how that applies to my life. Do you happen to have a story that really resonates with you that is a really beautiful example of this intentional living? Um, so yes, I, I'll, I'll get a little vulnerable here. So during COVID, um, clearly we had a lot of influx of patients, mm-hmm. my team specifically, right? Uh, we are in New York City. We were, you know, the the first big wave. Yeah. And our our normal list, I would say, is around twenties. And our at our height, we got up to I think about eighty nine. So oh, wow. Um, and we would have normally maybe one or two patients that pass a week, expected, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And I think at at our height, we had maybe six, seven, eight patients who would, who were just dying a day. Some that we couldn't even get to because we were so over capacity and mm-hmm. understaffed, even though we had brought in a lot of other people to help us out. And f- for myself and my team members, that was incredibly traumatic, mm-hmm. right? In, in many ways. Imagine. Yeah. I, just, um, I can't even imagine that. And I can talk about it now because I've done a lot of therapy, a lot of coaching about it, but it was, it was really awful to be Mm -hmm. honest. And what it was, was I think a combination of the fact that we felt so helpless and out of control Mm -hmm. because everything was happening around us. And, you know, we couldn't really figure out what, what to do with our emotions and all of this stuff. And it got to a point where I was having panic attacks. I was crying. Like, I think at one point I, I counted, it was like nine times a day. It was, just, oh it was like sobbing. God. I was like on, you know, on my way to work on the bus, um, it, it, you know, at work on the way home at home, just like I, to a point where I had to grab the, the sink sometimes to steady myself because I was having panic attacks mm-hmm. while I was sobbing. Um, and I actually realized now that I was, I was having, you know, I was just like, you know, I wonder what would happen if I just didn't wake up tomorrow. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then in my mind, I was like, I think, I think those are not good thoughts to have, <laughs> right. Like being a physician and being like, um, you know, I, I think, I think I need some help. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I sought out the help and I'm so glad that I did because just, Especially in palliative care, self care is so important. We we always say this, even before COVID. It's like, how do we take care of ourselves so that we can provide the best care for our patients? Mm-hmm. Right? If we're wounded, if we're bleeding, there's no way that yeah. we can give more of ourselves to others. And I think that's the same for people in regular life, especially women. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. We're just like giving to others, giving to others. I had someone who said, she's like, I feel like I'm the invisible fairy that just goes around and makes everything happen. Um, but 
through that, I I realized that there was there was something more that I needed to do that I wanted to do to have to be able to go through that and to say like I made it out the other side and here's what helped me do that mm-hmm. and realizing that I have a voice that you know we can all say something we all have something to say and we're all worthy enough of sharing our experiences and to have an impact whether that's small or large and that was the hardest thing I've done in my life so far and I'm sure there are going to be many more challenges but to be able to come through that on the other side and be like okay I am going to really dig in and live my life on purpose and help others do the same because I don't want them to feel anywhere near what I felt at my lowest, at my darkest. And um, so, yeah, that's, I would say that's been my journey over the past two years. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. That is, I had chills and tears and (laughs) I can't imagine, um, you know, being a person not in the medical profession of education, public education, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, COVID impacted education significantly, but I can't even begin to fathom you on the front lines as a health care worker and especially working with those critically, critically ill patients, what that was like. I just can't even get the picture in my head. Um so thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us and being so open and so vulnerable. And um, just thank you for bringing your voice out and sharing so much because you you do, I know on your podcast, you go a little bit wider, a little bit broader talking about things like making decisions and you know, <laughs> just kind of those daily challenges we all have. We Mm -hmm. all have it. Mm -hmm. And to be able to talk about it, to be able to talk about, yeah, I stood at the sink and I cried and I had a panic attack, whether Mm -hmm. it's over a COVID patient or it's over your child and their emotional health issues, or it's over um, challenges you're having with your spouse or whatever it is. We all have those moments where we clench the sink and think, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I it would be so nice to go to sleep and not wake up. We I I'm mm-hmm. I am betting almost everybody listening to this has had that. How peaceful would it be if I just didn't have to wake up? Right. You know, and so I, I think we can all really identify on a soul-to-soul level with that. So thank you for sharing. It's it was really such a powerful, beautiful story. Thank you. Before we move into our next section, which is a little lighthearted, <laughs> is there anything you would like to share with the listeners about living this purpose-filtered life? I My entire mission is to really just take the lessons that I've learned, that my patients have shared, and the wisdom from their time at the end of life or towards the end of life and really take that and shift it up 20, 30, Mm -hmm. 40 years 
so that we hopefully when we get to a point where we've learned these lessons, where we've integrated them into our daily lives, that when we get to the point and it's a when, it's not an if, mm-hmm. right? Let's be honest and yeah. call a spade a spade that when we get there, we can be like, you know what? I've really just squeezed out every inch, every drop of experience, of love, of feeling, of purpose, of meaning, of fulfillment, of joy from this gift that I've been blessed with, right? And it's not necessarily about religion and that or spirituality. Of course, if that's what you believe in, I think that's wonderful. But it's really about finding what it is that really lights us up yes. and then living from there, right? Putting a goal in the future that really is like really makes you feel something and have and feeling pulled towards it rather than pushing yourself. Oh, I love in that, that way. so much. Right? I love that so much. Yeah. yeah. And so I think if we can all just make these little, little shifts, and that's why I talk about the various things I do on the podcast. It's not just about this big overarching thing, because then that seems scary and Mm -hmm. totally unattainable, but it's about like, okay, let's make these little, little shifts. Because if you do, your life ends up totally in a different direction of where you think it could be, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I, I hope that people can just take stock of where they are in life and really try to live it on purpose, to live intentionally, to sit in those moments where we are ridiculously happy or, you know, laughing so much that we're snorting and, you know, (laughs) like liquid through our noses or that sort of thing. Right. Because there's going to be times when we don't have you know, it's going to be the opposite, but when we're in it, when we have those moments, like let's, let's live it up. Let's you know? do it. I let's love do that. it. That way, when you are sitting with the doctor and the doctor does say, you know, it's, it's time to, to be thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, there's just a few months left. We don't panic and go, oh my God, but I haven't lived yet. Mm-hmm. Where. Yes. I, nobody wants to die, but if you're in those moments, I, I think of those people. I, I've I've had a few people in my life where it was time to go. It was the end of their life, and they they said, you know, I don't necessarily want to go, but I've lived a good life and mm-hmm. I'm comfortable going. Mm-hmm. And that makes everybody around them also feel a sense of peace. Of mm-hmm. okay, now we get to celebrate you because you did live this yes. beautiful life and look at this impact you had and look at all these lives you touched and now we get to celebrate you. And so it becomes more about that. And that's my goal mm-hmm. is when it's when it's my time to go that everybody gets to celebrate and say wow, look at this great life. Look at all these lives touched. You know, I don't want it to be a sad, terrible thing, you know, mm-hmm. it, I want it to be a celebration. And so I love that you talk about that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you exactly. so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Now we're going to move into um, some juicy things. We already started talking. <laughs> Obviously, you and I are um, book kindred spirits. I can see that. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. I currently have, I'm looking at my bedside table. I think I have about 13, 14 books on my bedside table because oh I'm God. always like. <laughs> yes. I have a stack. I, yeah. I literally bought three bookshelves because I was like, I'm going to need space for all of these books that I either have, or I'm going to add to my list. And yeah. Mm-hmm. They're just so exactly. wonderful. There's not, they're just friends. They're friends. I love it. Okay. Yes. So that's the lead into what book are you reading right now? Tell us about it. We'd love to hear. Mm-hmm. So, um, gosh, I'm in the middle of a few books, but obviously I am finishing Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. Um, and it, this is actually my first Brene book. Mm. Um, she's Yeah. Is it really? Wow. It is. It is. So like, this is the intro to Brene, right? Um, and I, I think she's done a really wonderful job of explaining some of the emotions and giving names to the feelings that we have where we think it's one, but it's actually another. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, have been alternating fiction and nonfiction. Like I just finished Crying in H Mart, which is a memoir about by, her name is Michelle Z- Zauner, Z-A-U-N-E-R. And it is based upon her, it's a memoir of her experience um, being half Korean with her Korean mother who passed from cancer. Mm. And it's all about her relationship with her and f- finding connectedness to her after she passed through food and cooking and Korean cuisine and that sort mm. of thing. And it's beautifully written. So if, um, you know, someone is looking for a tearjerker of a memoir, <laughs> that's something that's that. One that that's something I would recommend as well. Mm, that sounds beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote that down. It's going to be on my list. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm always after every interview, I go to my cart and add a couple books in Yeah, uh, with Brene Brown. I mm. highly recommend there's two books of hers. I highly recommend that you read next. Um, Braving the Wilderness. Okay. So beautiful. So good. Okay. Quick, easy read. I gave that right. book to pretty much everybody I know. I gifted it. Um, and then, um, oh goodness. Why did I just, the gifts of imperfection. Oh, gifts, gifts of, of imperfection. imperfection. Dare to lead is great too. I have that on my shelf. That's a good one. Yeah. It's, um, but gifts of imperfection. Oh, it's so beautiful. Okay. It's so beautiful. That's another one that I gave as gifts to like everybody. So I highly recommend. Yes, I will. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Very worth it. And if you like, do you like listening to books on tape? Like I Audible? do. Okay. Yeah. So listen to Brene on Audible because you're going to feel like she's your best friend. She's just so conversational. She adds a little extra stuff in and mm-hmm. it's really fun. And you just okay. feel like, I like to go on long walks and listen to her and I feel like I'm walking with my my best friend. It's great. So I know she has that magic touch. I will. <laughs> Thank does. you. She does. She does. <laughs> Thank you for the book recommendation. All right, next one. They're making a movie of your life, Kathy. You get to pick three songs for the soundtrack. What are those three songs? Yeah, so uh, this is really, really difficult. Um, so I will just share. So when I have a rough day or I'm feeling down, I listen to these three songs in this order and it always makes me feel better. And I don't. I'm not sure if it's like, it would chronicle my life because the first one is colorblind by counting crows. Mm. And that can be a little, it's a, it's a, it's a down song, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's so poignant. And I think about 
the the themes that they talk about kind of seeing life in black and white versus mm-hmm. seeing it in color and mm-hmm. being like you know I'm ready I'm I'm ready to get that in my life and I think that's so beautiful um the second is Annie Lennox's wonderful mm-hmm. it just has this this feeling of like you know we're going to even though it's about in a sense, unrequited love, but there's just something beautiful about it that always lifts me up. And then the last one is don't worry, be happy. Oh, I love that. (laughs) And it's just such a joyful song. Um, And it, it always, those three songs in that order always puts me in a better mood. And so, yeah, I'll say those. Annie Lennox is magic. I just, I just think listening to her voice is magic. Yeah. Like there is she, something about it. You just feel proud to be a woman when you listen to Annie. Mm, There's just mm-hmm. something about it. Like she yes. digs into being a woman just by being. Um, yes. And don't worry, apologetic. That takes me back to my childhood. I love it. I love it. That was like almost a soundtrack of. Um, a good portion of my teen years. It was really fun. I know. <laughs> I, love I love it. Yeah, I know. It's so great. <clears throat> all right. Last question. We're all about radical audacity over here, mm-hmm. living that audacious life that, you know, you've taken the shoulds off and, and you're, you're on that path doing your thing. What act of radical audacity have you done recently that you're really glad you said heck yes to? Mm. Yeah. And I love the, your promotion of like the heck yes. Right. Like we should say yes to ourselves more often. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Um, I think for me, really it's, it's been the podcast. It's been launching a, a coaching business, putting myself out there on social media. I'm like, not that, that person mm-hmm. I'm an introvert. Um, and just being like, you know what? Life is short. I'm going to do it. If I, if I want to do it, I'm going to try and I believe in my own resourcefulness to figure it out, even if things don't go my way. And so, you know, I hope that's something that people can take away as well. It's not necessarily about the failure or when things go south. It's about believing whether you can deal with the consequences. Mm -hmm. And if we can, then we're unstoppable, right? Oh, yes. I agree with you so much. I always, I always take it back to that. You have to trust yourself. Whatever decision you make, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. We're not going to always make the right decision. So that decision paralysis. I, I loved your episode on indecision because that Thank used you. to be me, like decision paralysis. Yes. But it's oh like, you know what? Whatever decision you make, it's going to be okay because mm-hmm. you trust yourself. You're going to get through it. And, and it'll be all right. And whatever you lesson you learn from that decision is a powerful, important lesson that you are supposed to learn. So mm-hmm. just do it. Yes. That. Thank you. Yes. That is a thank beautiful you. way to end. It's a really powerful, beautiful way to end. So thank you. Thank you so all right. much. How can people find you, Kathy? So I'm on Instagram at Purpose Filter. The podcast, like you said, is The Purpose Filter. And um the website is still under construction, but it's purposefilter.com. So DM me, connect with me, ask me questions. I'm happy, happy to connect. You're such a pleasure. It's been an absolute joy to have you today. Thank you for having this really important, really deep, somewhat 
challenging conversation and doing it in such a beautiful, comfortable way. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Listeners, please reach out to Kathy. Let her know what you thought of this episode. Take a listen to her podcast. It is a beautiful podcast. And um, reach out to me. Let me know what you thought. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for being here, Kathy. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Wow. Were you guys as blown away by this conversation as I was? Dr. Kathy Zhang is so inspiring. She is the host of the Purpose Filter podcast. She's a clinical professor at NYU. She's a hospice and palliative care physician. She's a life coach. There is so much that she is doing with her life. And I'm just blown away and so inspired. When she told her story about being a palliative care physician during COVID in New York City and her feelings of panic, her feelings of despair, her feelings of, wow, this would just be easier if I could just go to sleep and not wake up, I felt that to my core and really resonated so much with what she was saying. Even though my personal experience is not at that level, I think all of us at some level have had those moments of, oh my goodness, this life is so hard and it would be easier if I could just go to sleep. And I love how she talked about what she did after that was she went and got help. She went and got help. She had got a therapist and she started talking about her feelings and her emotions. And she started her podcast and she started life coaching And it's just so beautiful. It's such a beautiful example of somebody saying, okay, I need to make the most out of this one beautiful, precious life that I have. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I cannot wait to hear from you about your insights from this podcast episode. I love it. Absolutely love it when you reach out to me. DM me on Instagram or email me and tell me what you thought of the episode. I hope you all have a beautiful day and I look forward to hearing from you.